0: the self-care unit podcast. We are back, but things are a little bit different because Shannon is here. Hello. Hello, hello.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I am so happy to be here, but everyone's like, who is this voice? We miss Carly's voice on here, but I'm excited to be here and to chat and to talk about some Stuff with you, Sarah. Some yeah, yeah. interesting so stuff.
0: The reason Shannon is here is because one, Carly's taking a girl boss break, which <laughs> is really important. But two, because Shannon texted me a couple of days ago because she was looking at her old journal entries and she found something that was really profound, but also slightly like I don't know, maybe triggering. Um, about where she was at in her nursing career and also, like, her mental health. And it allowed for some deep introspection. And it's just, like, really full circle because of where we're at right now, where she is today, what she has created for the nursing community, and how she so deeply needed it during that time that she wrote that journal entry. So Shannon and I thought, why not build on vulnerability? Like we always preach to, you know, share how you feel and be vulnerable. And it's so hard when we also have to make that a practice. And um, Shannon, you decided that you wanted to share this with the community. And I think it's really powerful. So I hope everyone resonates with it.
1: And to note, I wrote two journal entries. I forgot about them. The reason that I found them is because it's me and I, my Mac was telling me that I needed space on my computer because I never believe anything. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and so insane. I was going back, I was looking through it and I was like, what is this? It says the diary of a struggling and then I couldn't read the rest. so I just clicked on it and there were two journal entries. Now, the part of this that's funny is that I decided I was going to start writing these journals and me in True Fashion wrote two of them and then gave up. So if that's you, I totally get that. I vibe with that. I wrote two and was over it. I'm not a big like journaler. I've recently been writing more stuff down, but honestly, sometimes it feels like homework to me. So I think that's part of the reason why I stopped writing them. But it was very interesting, like Sarah said, to reread these and kind of be... So there's like two parts to this. It kind of feels like I was transported back to that time period. But part two, it also no longer felt like me, right? The things that I was reading, I've, I've done a lot of progress on coping mechanisms. I've implemented a lot of new things into my life to help me talk about this stuff and to help me deal with this stuff. So now when I read it back, I just... It's interesting because I transport myself, but I also, it doesn't feel like who I am anymore. I was actually talking to our mutual friend Lex the other day. It was really interesting because recently I've been more vocal about specifics to what led me to where I am today and what led me to Operation Happiness. And by specifics, I mean like exact situations, which I'm truthfully uncomfortable but with sharing like I, i i feel good after i do it but the process of sharing is really difficult for me and i don't know if it's a fear of people judging like something that is so personal to me something that is so like a part of me and having it be seen by other people i don't know it's it's kind of scary right so even in therapy And for all those who like maybe feel the same way as me, I'm giving you a shout out. But in therapy, I need the therapist to ask me questions because otherwise I won't talk about anything. So this is all new that like this level of sharing is all really new for me. But I am, I'm kind of excited to start doing that and to let people see just exactly where I was at even though it is mildly, mildly terrifying. I I just think that a lot of us feel very similarly and I can't speak for everyone, but when I do share, I hear from other nurses and other people. And I just think that the more that we're able to talk about it with each other, the better we're going to end up being, you know?
0: Yeah, I definitely feel that way. And I've just struggled with oversharing for sure. (laughs) And I think... Also like allowing people to share their trauma with me was something that I did some uh, during the pandemic and that was not a good idea for my mental health and but at the same time it was the only way that I felt I could cope and it's a, the only way that a lot of people could cope at the time and so I don't know if I regret those decisions because who knows where I'd be now and it's interesting because a few months ago, Shannon, and I shared with you a, a diary, technically blog post that I wrote that when I read it back, I was like, geez, <laughs> you wrote that for for like new nurses, but you were writing that for yourself. It, it's just it is hard when you go look back and you see a different version of yourself and almost like judge that version of yourself. And I like that you shared, Shannon, that it didn't feel like you. Because when I read it, it didn't feel like you. I was like, "Holy crap! Who read? Who wrote yeah. this? Like, this is not the Shannon that I know." Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And honestly, so there is one part of it that's kind of funny, and it doesn't have to do with nursing, team. The nursing stuff is a little dark. We'll get through it together. But honestly, I think that the end result here of finding this is actually really empowering, and I'm excited to talk to you all about it. But there is one section about my love life that I'm gonna pull into here for some comedic relief cuz it is so dramatic and that'll be pretty funny. So we'll we'll pull that in as well, but I kind of wanted to read sections of it for you all and then Sarah and I will kind of talk about them. Uh for those who don't fully know my story and who are just tuning in to the self-care unit pod, Uh, I am the founder of Operation Happiness. Sarah over here is the founder of Don't Clock Out. We found each other through these journeys, actually through the Operation Lemonade Gala where we honored Sarah. uh, Tay Lautner and I honored Sarah and for the amazing work she's doing with Don't Clock Out. And that is how we found each other, but we have been on very similar journeys here. I started my career, I'm slightly older than Sarah. I started my career in 2016 uh, in the neonatal ICU. And I love the neonatal ICU. And I think that there's a common misconception that just because something can bring you pain, just because something can be difficult to cope with means that you automatically don't love it. And burnout doesn't necessarily mean you don't love the profession. It just means that it's taking more from you than you're able to give. So I just want to acknowledge that that when I when I read these diary entries, it doesn't mean that I... Didn't love the NICU. It doesn't mean that the NICU doesn't hold a special place in my heart. It just means at the time that I wasn't able to cope with things in a manner that allowed me to continue to give to that space. So I actually left bedside in March uh, because of Operation Happiness. So I did NICU from 2016 up until this year. And the moment I decided to leave, I cried, which was a weird reality for me. Like I was so upset and I, I honestly didn't think I would react that way. And who knows, maybe I'll have to go back, who knows. But I was just really, really sad when I decided to leave, showing that I had more love for it than I think I even truly acknowledged. So I started my career in 2016 and I dealt with a lot of anxiety, which led to things like signs and symptoms of obsessive compulsive disorder. I just, I don't think that I was adequately prepared for just what you have to see and the traumas you have to experience, whether they're your own traumas or whether they're vicarious traumas. I just don't think that I was adequately prepared to mentally cope with the things that we are dealt as nurses. So at the beginning of my career, I, I struggled And we're about to see how much I struggled, but I I did struggle. And after kind of pulling myself out of that, I started speaking to other nurses and I learned that my journey and my stressors weren't unique. Stressors weren't unique anxieties. Uh, that in fact, this was a large problem in the nursing profession. And that is why I started Operation Happy Nurse. One half of the self-care unit podcast with Don't Clog Out. And I'm just, I'm really excited for you guys to take a little bit of a deeper look into my psyche at that point. So should we do it?
0: It's time for the ultimate vulnerability.
1: Yeah. So what's super interesting. Okay. I started Nursing. I know that it was sometime in the summer of 2016, June or July, probably. This journal entry is actually only like three months after I started, which was a little shocking to me because I thought it'd be like six months after I started. I felt like that was really the part, like my really low point. But to see this and know it was only three months after I started was shocking shocking to me so we'll see all right so first sentence today I made the decision to start this diary in order to express feelings that seem to be exploding out of me each or sorry two sentences each day of my new adulthood seems to bring on emotional and physical struggles I find myself extremely tired most days exhausted by work and social life so basically I'm a very social person just to note, and the fact that I was exhausted by social life back then is not normal for me, Um, but I can note that in that period of time, and I don't know if other people who struggle with, at this point, I could probably say that I was coping or dealing with some sort of depression uh, along with anxiety, but at this point, I vividly remember just thinking that like, my friends didn't really see the true me, and I don't know if that wasn't who I was putting out at that time. Like you said, Sarah, when you read this, it didn't sound like me, so maybe they were seeing this version of me, but I just remember feeling so distraught that they had these like ideas of who I was, but I didn't see myself as that person. I don't know if you've dealt with that as well.
0: As someone who's very online, it is something I struggle with every day because I – like my whole life is on the internet and I don't share a lot about my personal life, but I did share a lot about like my professional life. And it was hard to strike a balance between like being a nurse on the internet and then also having like a personality. And so I felt like I was two different people and that's definitely not something healthy, I don't think. And it's a phenomena that exists because of social media. But it was definitely taking a toll on me, and I've gotten to this point where I'm like, "Why do I have to be professional online if I'm just trying to talk about humanity and my mental health and things that are important to me? And why can't I also like be a nurse and enjoy Boy Genius and like <laughs> just like having a good time and like you know Kirby and have like <laughs> things that I really love and." Um, Like, my culture and my family and all these things are a huge part of me. I don't know why, but I was hiding it for a long time. So I understand, like, feeling like people don't know the real you or feeling like you're putting out a version of yourself that isn't your true self. And it, like, it eats at you for for as long as you allow it. And
1: it's interesting because, I mean, the friends that I had, two of them – in that space. So I'd moved to DC. Two of those friends had been my friends for a while. And I even felt like they were viewing me differently, if that makes sense. And to be honest, I don't know if this is what was going through their minds, right? Like this is how I was perceiving it, not how they were actually acting, but how I was perceiving it. And at one point, actually, my sister came to visit us. And uh, the way that... It's funny because you called me mom, right? But like in that situation, I was planning everything. I really like to plan. It's a I like planning events and whatnot. Like it's my thing. But I was planning everything and I was not really like letting go though. So when I would be going to these different events, I would always feel like I was always – I don't know how to explain it. Like I was – had to be mentally there at all times. And therefore I never truly let loose. And I think that it was showing this side of me, which isn't who I am at all. And my sister came to visit and she was like, the way that they describe you is not who you are. And I was like, what are you talking about? And after that, I kind of just realized that I was sitting there and what I was, the way I was acting, it almost got exemplified when I realized that was like my new norm, if that makes sense. It's just like, I kind of fell into that, even though that was not who I actually was as a person and not how I actually felt about myself. And I don't know if this makes any sense at all. I'm trying to put it into words, this feeling that I was having, but I just almost felt like who I... The way I was acting wasn't who I actually was as a person or the way I was being perceived wasn't my true self. And maybe that was because of the anxiety, the stress, the stressors, the like depression that I was going through. Maybe that was the reason I wasn't acting like who I really, truly believed that I was. But that was almost a identity crisis when that was occurring.
0: I feel that so immensely because um when I was at the height of my burnout I stopped being myself and not only did I notice it later on but my husband noticed it and he was like you haven't been present in like two years Sarah and it took him pulling me out of that and understanding that I was like not really there um beyond my role that was when i realized i needed a change also when people around me at work who would always ask me like why are you so happy you must really love your job like transporters lab like i would always have those interactions and then those interactions stopped i also just wanted to get through admission questions i just wanted to get through the tasks i didn't want to hear my patients tell me about their day. I didn't care anymore about what their kids, what school their kids are going to. I did not care about the things that made me so like happy to be a nurse, the things that brought me joy, the things that gave my role meaning, the the dignity that I was providing my patients. I felt like I wasn't able to provide it anymore. And being, that being taken away from me just took away the meaning from my role and when your role is your identity it takes you (laughs) it takes away you and when I realized that I was like oh shit like what are you doing like this is a job why are you giving your job this much power over your life why are you clocking in doing the work like looking at the clock desperately every freaking hour Counting the seconds, going home, going to sleep, doing it all over again for three shifts in a row, and then just rotting on your days off because you don't want to be around people. You don't want to do anything else. The only energy you have is reserved for your job as a nurse because it's a pandemic and you have to save everyone. Who gives a fuck about you, Sarah? (laughs) Like, do your job. And I know that everyone listening, probably had a moment like that and yeah. it is an identity crisis like when they allow your role to become everything like it's not good for you it's yeah yeah
1: yeah sorry for the language team I am about to swear warning do good I thought to myself well fuck you former self that's like a little like much but here we are well, fuck you, former self. Now, despite my clear breakdown, I do know that I will be good at what I do. This information comes easily to me. I know I can help society and prove myself in this occupation, but at what cost? By the time I am 30, will I be mentally okay? Will I still have a strong heart or will will I be stone cold? Thoughts that simply haunt my daydreams. So in this moment, I think that I was I was pushing down all my feelings, right? Like I was releasing it onto this page, but in like life, I didn't talk to anyone about anything that was happening on here and I was pushing down just all of my emotions. So I was worried that I was no longer really going to be feeling anymore if I kept pushing that stuff away. And I'll have you all know that I am almost 30 and I don't think I'd call myself stone cold. So I am really sad that this is how i felt right like i'm really sad that i was worried about completely losing who i am as a person because of the profession and i'm really sad that i knew i knew i was good at the profession i knew like that this is something that came easy to me i knew that in emergent situations that i was steady as a rock i knew that like my brain processes information well i i knew that i could succeed in this profession but I didn't want it to take me. I didn't want it to take who I was. And I'm sad that it's one or the other when that's not how it should be the case. But in my mind, I thought, if I stay in this, am I going to be okay by age 30? Like, that is so sad, you know? And I'm age 30 and I'm doing good, guys. But I just think that, like, we should be able to have coping mechanisms that allows us to release this stuff instead of push it down. We're just completely, like made me feel like I wasn't even going to be who I was, that I was just going to be a rock if I was going to succeed in the profession, which it, that doesn't need to be the case, you know?
0: And that was three months in. Yeah. Three months into becoming a nurse and you're literally questioning who you are and who you're going to be in a few years. And that's how much of an impact three months of working as a nurse and not feeling supported and being faced with the realities of the profession yeah, and the pressure. Like what are we doing?
1: I felt like if I talked about this stuff that other people would perceive me as weak, which is not the case, right? Like going through this and feeling your emotions is actually a really difficult thing to do. And it's actually a very strong thing to do. But in the moment, I thought people would view less of me, right? Uh, And I didn't. The resources that were provided to me was like a therapist towards the end would come to our unit. But in my head, I'm like, I don't have time to go sit in here and speak. And also I haven't even been able to process this yet. How am I supposed to go into this break room and talk to someone and that lack of trust, you know, that whole thing, like that wasn't an adequate resource for me at the time. And it wasn't there at this period of time. That came later. Uh, And when I say I didn't feel like I could talk to anyone, I will note that that is how I felt. But knowing the people that I work with and the support that they have shown me since I started Operation Happiness shows that I could have spoken to the nurses around me. I just didn't because I personally felt that they would view me as weak. But the support that they've shown through Operation Happiness and hearing some of their stories, I just I know that I could have spoken to them at the time. I understand that's not everybody's environment, but that was my environment. Then I just didn't see it.
0: Not everyone has that safe space. And again, like you had all these barriers to at the time even have the conversation and that's okay. And like, it's sad though, that you didn't feel like you could.
1: Yeah. I mean, when I was nursing in twenty six when that well, I finished this year, but when I first started nursing in twenty sixteen, um we didn't really talk about our emotions. If you had to cry, you couldn't cry at the bedside, right? You they'd maybe send you to the bathroom, but we'd always send the youngest person first. So And I didn't want to be the one going to the bathroom. So I would be like, no, I'm good. And I'd shove it all down, right? And then by the end of the shift, I would be like, I don't feel like feeling this. So I'm going to just keep her down there. And I think that is where I was like, am I going to be stone cold? Because I'm no longer... There were points when something so traumatic would happen. I'd be on the shift. I'd be like, I can't deal with this right now. I'm pushing it down. I'd go home and I wouldn't have the capacity to feel it. So, I wouldn't cry. And I was like, Am I going to have no emotions? I should be crying about this. Am I going to have no emotions after this because I'm pushing everything away and I'm not allowing myself to feel it? So, am I just not going to have any feelings in the future?
0: It will stay with you. I recently came- went back to therapy and it's been a year since I've worked in a hospital. It's been like a year and a half now. And therapy has brought back a lot of specific incidents of working at the bedside. And like, I still relive so many scenarios and the rumination is so, so incredibly difficult and it takes over your life, honestly. And it's so important that you process it because it's still there. It's living in your body. And if you don't process it and it compounds, then you become numb. And I did get to that point. And my husband saw it, but I didn't see it until I was away from the field. And I can only imagine how many people listening are going through the same thing and maybe don't even know it. Um, But that's part of like the work that we do is helping people understand that their emotions in response to these environments and working in conditions that are unsafe and unsupported are valid. And that it's actually not normal to be traumatized over and over again, and not allowed to process, or being given actual resources to process these emotions. And other, you know, professions are are allowed that, like first responders, are sometimes offered in severe, severe crisis incidents. They're offered relief. They're offered. They have actual teams on standby to come in and. Take over the shift. Yeah. Nurses, we don't have that. Yeah. You barely have people to cover your shift that you're on. So how do we like help healthcare workers process their trauma if you're being told like you have an admission, so you need to get back to work, you know? Yeah. That has to change. Yeah. And we
1: I I for me, I think I would have felt a lot better if I could have Felt my emotions when I was leaving, but I didn't want to re-feel sadness. I didn't want to re-feel that stuff. So I just like decided I wasn't going to, which uh, newsflash, everyone, I developed significant anxiety and OCD. So like clearly it was still affecting me, right? Like it was still there, even though I didn't want to feel it. Uh, I think that if I would have allowed myself the space to feel my emotions, and not viewed it as weak, but as a strong thing to do, that I would be in a very different situation than I was. Uh, to note, small plug here, our uh, nurse advisory board president recently wrote a letter And she mentioned that meditation has helped her be able to sit in that space with those emotions. So if someone's trying to figure out how to be able to feel that stuff, I suggest maybe trying some meditations. This seemed to help her. We're going to take a quick uh, funny break with my dating life saga and then uh, newsflash, still single. Maybe, maybe, maybe there was some insight on here. All right. So this is what said.
0: not for long after this one. Oh, man. It says for right now, I will have to
1: resort to cuddling my pillow. And by pillow, I mean, Pluto stuffed animal. Is that why boys won't speak to me? Possibly. My inherent awkwardness and nerdiness tends to present itself to men who don't appreciate a love for Disney, Harry Potter, Nancy Drew games, or hoarding memorabilia. Fuck them. Well, enough ranting for now. Stay tuned for Awkward Dates, if I have any. Horrible men and possibly the worst dry patch of my entire life.
0: Can you please write, like, a Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants style memoir? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it's
0: okay. Man. It's all what was on your mind. It was, like, stream of consciousness. It was interesting. So
1: uh also feel free to send us in your like funny date stuff like maybe we can read it. I would love to hear uh, you know other struggling singles out there. Let's hear your Yeah, stuff. what's
0: going on on Oh, that's an episode. What's going on on the apps? Cuz you know even, oh, <laughs> So Sean and I met at, when the renaissance of the apps began. So I never really you know Did the dating apps and you are a lucky girl. I just know that it's an interesting place to be, and I would love to hear about the best um, bios or things you've seen on dating apps from healthcare workers.
1: Yeah, let me hear them. Let me hear them. (laughs) Also, if you date other healthcare workers, because like my roommate has a very no other healthcare worker like role. So, do you date other healthcare Let us know your dating vibes because you know it's so dry over here. It could be a desert and I need to live vicariously through you all.
0: Yeah. Let's, we need to do an episode about the different like partners that are ideal for healthcare workers. Yeah. Yeah. And all right.
1: uh, yeah. part number two going back and then maybe I'll try oh actually the end of this one is like a little funny and is more empowering so we're looking up team so this was like a week later two weeks later and i said have you noticed that while listening to music your emotions take ride the lyrics meshed with perfect melody brings you on a personal journey that gives you full clarity about what you are feeling deep down And that that, like, that's beautiful. Like, good job, Shannon. And then I say, well, the only thing that seems clear to me is the utter confusion that rocks my soul every day. (laughs) So I think where I was going with this is that um, you were so
0: mean to yourself.
1: Yeah. I mean, I was in a pretty dark place, right? Like, I think that I was just trying to let out feelings uh, in any way that I could. Right. So music did help me. Music did help me feel. And I know that that's been like, I think it was Gracie said the same thing that music makes her feel these emotions. So I think when I was listening to music, it helped bring out some emotions. But the reason I was confused is because it seemed like everyone around me through social media and talking to people, like everyone felt like they knew who they were, even though I feel like none of us really knew who we are, were, or like where we're at or what we want. Like, I just think that sometimes social media only shows what we feel very confident about. And I just, I didn't really know at the time if nursing was right for me after I developed these positive coping mechanisms. And after I really like looked internally and whatnot, I think that I was placed in the right profession. But in this moment, I didn't feel that I was. I felt like maybe like pediatric PT would have been better for me. I started volunteering at March of Dimes. Like I checked out all these other ways to make a positive impact that didn't involve nursing. Uh, Again, now I cried when I left to the NICU. So, but this was my reality at that time. So I felt very confused when those around me felt like, they felt that they should be 100% in nursing. They felt like they should be 100% in whatever job that they were doing. And I just – I was very utterly confused how everyone seemed to know what the hell was going on, and I didn't.
0: That's, like – that reminds me of when I first started. Like, I'm like, y'all, are we really good with how things are going here? Because this is, like, super weird and strange and – I don't think this is helping anybody. And then COVID hit and we were being told like, don't wear a mask, you're gonna scare the patients. And I'm just like, hmm, that does not seem like what I learned in nursing school. (laughs) So when you like have that like scratch freeze frame, you wonder how I got into this situation like moment, but it's your career. It's a little bit
1: like jarring. When I was nursing or at the start of my career, I, there were moments when I was at work where I was like, I love this job. I love this profession. I feel very like proud to be a nurse. Like, I just, there were moments where I just felt so happy to be there. And so I think that the problem is that for a lot of people. And and for some, maybe this isn't like the profession that you viewed yourself in. Maybe that there's another one that you're working towards. But for me, I think that my confusion was because I was so anxious. I was so depressed. I was so burnt out at such an early period of time that I didn't have the capacity to love the profession anymore, you know? And that was three months in, three months in.
0: And like, I think six months in, I was kind of over it for me mostly because I had like a severe incident of workplace violence. I was like, uh, so I'm not even safe. And this job is kind of the most stressful thing. Huh? That's interesting. And we're young. And like, we see people who have been in the field for like 20 years and you're like, damn, Margaret, how the fuck am I going to get to where you are? (laughs) Like, I don't know if I see that for myself. And now
1: here we are. (laughs) you know, there is such beauty in the profession. I think a lot of the times with like social media and uh, with the way things are going, it's, it's really hard to see that beauty anymore, but there it is there. It, it, it is such a beautiful profession. It's just when we don't have adequate resources, when we aren't adequately supported How can we continue to see that light when we're just being engulfed by darkness, you know, and I I just really want to be able to shine that light again, because it is there is beauty in it. Even in my darkest period of time, I still had days where I loved it, right? It was just hard to allow myself to feel that love when I felt majority pain, you know, so I just. I mean, I literally cried when I left the NICU. I was so bummed. Like, I just think that in this period of time, I was confused because I wasn't prepared for and adequately supported in like the stressors that you feel. It's not this whole, it is what it is thing. Like, no, we deal with death. We deal with patients that may become abusive. We deal with very difficult things. We should have mechanisms to cope with that. Like this isn't just a stone wall. It shouldn't wall be controversial. Effect. Yeah, no. Like we, anybody, anybody would need mechanisms to cope with some of the crap that I've seen, some of the crap you've seen, some of the crap that every single nurse in has seen. Like we need mechanisms to cope with it because it's not normal for for a. a Individual to experience these things. Like it may be normal for the profession to deal with death, but it's not normal as a human to have nothing to help you cope with that. Like we need to have positive coping mechanisms. So if there's any healthcare agencies listening to this, please, please, please support your staff, give them positive coping mechanisms. Because the moment I start telling my stories, It's really difficult for those who are not at the bedside to listen to them. And it's even harder for us to live them. So please provide positive coping mechanisms. All right. So this part is a little bit like corny, but also like kind of I feel like is me. So I said, this past week or so has brought zero clarity about my future. In fact, I've had a few possible professions that I, in quotes, could love. I think my problem is that I want to do something that makes a difference. I want to do something that when my time on earth comes to an end, I know that I made a difference. Corny, I know, but if I don't create utter happiness in some way, then I will not be a happy woman. Okay, so this part's kind of weird because I started a nonprofit called Operation Happiness. What? But I just. I think that's all of us, right? As nurses, like we want to make a difference. Like we want to be the difference and we want to support those around us and we want to care for those around us. And we're all such strong individuals that we like take on the weight of the world almost. And sometimes I think that that is amazing. I love that about our profession, but I also think... We also have to remind ourselves that, like, in order to care for everybody around us, we need to, like, help ourselves, care for ourselves, because how are we supposed to care for other people if we're going to crumble under the weight of the compassion that we have, you know?
0: It's so full circle that, like, what you were looking for was happiness in that moment, and... You're now able to provide that to so many people in a meaningful way. And not everyone gets the opportunity to, you know, take this path that is, it's tough to start a nonprofit to support people going through things that you've gone through and hoping that it'll impact real change. but it is and it has and it continues to and it's growing and flourishing and this work is the future of healthcare because too long we have just pushed it all down and now we get to create a different path where yeah. it's not normal so yeah. I'm so proud of you so, I'm proud of past Shannon too though yeah past Shannon, mildly dramatic but
1: I I am happy that I wrote this out because it does feel very full circle, right? Just the last part of this, and then we will let everybody go. And I really want to hear everyone's stories. So if you have a journal entry and you want to send it in anonymously, please feel free to send it to Joe. We'd be happy to read them and share them if you're interested. But please know that we want to hear you. We want to hear from you. And we're here to listen or whatever you need from us. So last part. This is a quote from F. Scott Fitzgerald. It's never too late to be whoever you want to be. I hope you live a life that you're proud of. And if you find that you're not, I hope you have the strength to start over. And I think that's very beautiful. Uh, I think that this applies to everybody, right? Like, There's so much in the nursing profession. There's so many different avenues that you can take. So just know that if you are living a life that you that you don't feel is yours, that you don't feel that you want it to be, I hope and I know, I know that you have the strength to start over if you would like. So my ending paragraph is, smart words, Mr. Fitzgerald. Do you mind telling me exactly how to determine my destiny? Any way to find out what exactly would make me live a life I am proud of? Harder than it looks, Scotty. For now, I will simply glide through my job, prove myself and hope that some door opens where I find where I will find true happiness, not only for myself, but also for those surrounding me. What but what is really cool and why I feel very empowered by is that I was like I said, I was clearly in a dark space. I didn't feel like myself. I didn't feel like those around me really knew who I was anymore that I wasn't putting out who I really truly to my core was as a human being. I felt very distressed. I felt like I was losing my emotions, that I was pushing them down, that I was going to be just some stone cold individual in the future. But then I read this part where I say, for now, I will simply glide through my job, prove myself and hope that some door opens where I will find true happiness, not only for myself, but also for those surrounding me. And the fact that here I am now and this is what I'm doing and I love Operation Happy Nurse. I loved NICU nursing. I'll probably go back at some point, but like the fact that all of that, all of that terrible feelings, all of that really dark period of time, like led me to this point to where I'm exactly supposed to be, exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And I almost like manifested that in this diary. It was just when I read this, I was just, I mean, crisis, internal crisis, but like in the best way possible. So for those who are feeling lost, for those who are feeling like they're not themselves, for those who are feeling that like you are losing your emotions, that you can't feel them anymore i just want you to know that like that isn't forever that things do change and that you are in control of your life even if it doesn't even if it doesn't feel like it that you deserve to be happy and that the pain no matter how like deep it feels it doesn't last forever
0: i'm so proud of you shannon so proud of you uh,
1: we are here for you whatever you all need please do not hesitate to reach out and thank you so much for joining along my uh diary of a struggling nurse i don't actually know the full title yeah no 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 diary of a struggling millennial so, like, <laughs> so let's funny. go with nurse. I, I think that's better but uh yeah. if you guys want to share your stories we would love to Share them with you. uh Please feel free to reach out to us. And again, please, please, please send us your dating stories because I need enough. Yes.
0: We need some reprieve. Yeah. And some yeah. humor and some romance. And some romance. For the dry patch. <laughs> yeah. For my dry season. And what the dry season. And the dry season.
1: Yeah. It'll <laughs> yeah. be
0: monsoon season. <laughs> Ew. <did> I- <laughs> All right, guys, I'm not that weird, listen, or dirty. It's Okay, so if you love RuPaul's Drag Race, then you know Jinx Monsoon. And Jinx Monsoon always says it's monsoon season. And this drag queen is amazing. I actually accidentally saw her in a Colorado airport and I knew it was her and I didn't say hi and I regret that for the rest of my life. But Jinx Monsoon always says something. Um, before every performance, and it's a mantra, and she goes, water off a duck's back, water off a duck's back, water off a duck's back, and so I hope that anyone listening, you repeat that mantra before every shift, water off a duck's back, and also, monsoon season is a good thing, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's not as sturdy as it sounds. (laughs) I like well, we are manifesting that for you shannon <laughs> it's muted well thank you all
1: so much for joining us and we hope you have a, a great rest of your week
0: and a great holiday season Hi, friends keep the tissues handy bye bye <laughs>